Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Pretty good, Dennis. It's been what a good was, weekend. A lot of your busy stuff. Weekend. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, well, super busy, but exciting and happy and emotional all around. So, <laughs> I, I had family over, so that was, it was, uh, that was an emotional part there, just getting to see family and... Sure, and sure. Hope and some people, and it was nice. Um, ex- and then I had friends come over. Our, our buddy uh, Bill and Dave ca- had came over for Saturday and planned, but it was a surprising plan. Like, I thought they were just going to come over and hang and chat for a while. And it was like, and they're like, "Hey, we're all going to. We actually want to go out and do tons of stuff." And I was like, "Oh, okay." I wasn't <laughs> so that became exhausting. And then, yeah. of course, on top of all that, there was the real exhausting thing, which was like in game happened. So sure, sure. Was, and Game of Thrones, and Game of Thrones. I um, I worked over at the house a little bit Saturday. I'm doing oh yeah, trim. hey, I was thinking about that. You haven't given us an update. How's that going? It's going slowly but surely. Working on trim for the second floor still. It's oh, pain. I made the trim. perhaps un un uh, un inadvisable inadvisable whatever. Mm-hmm. I made the sort of I don't think I would do it again. Sort of decision to. Uh, so many provisos for what I'm about to say, <laughs> which is not that big of a deal. I'm reusing the old trim, uh, which was painted. Yes. And so I'm like stripping it down and sanding it and filling all the holes. And, pit, and I'm like, oh, oh man, that would not have been that ex- expensive to just buy oh. some some straight square wood and nail it, paint it and nail it on there and be done. That, that's a conversation you and I should have offline for a while because I've actually been doing that in my house for like two years. Because mm. I decided to do that same thing, which is like just take it off and paint it, and it's the, just it's just trouble time is, consuming. Yeah, and I don't mind all of that stuff. It's a nice opportunity to catch up on podcasts and uh, and audiobooks. I know I messaged you over the weekend because I listened to um, uh, Frog Pants, uh, the instance, which is the mm-hmm. big World of Warcraft podcast. Scott Johnson, the host over there, did an interview with Chris Met- Chris Metzen from mm-hmm. Blizzard. He's been retired from blizzard for like three years now i think he is the voice of thrall and right. many other things if you've ever played a blizzard game uh he was he may be retired but it. he has time to give lots of interviews these days he's i always well, see his name on interview stuff yeah i mean i'm i probably send it to you every time he does it he was oh. <laughs> pretty he was pretty out of the public eye for a while and then scott did an interview with him about a year into it and then he did this one uh a couple weeks ago um, it's really, really good. He gets into some of his personal, uh, history, life stuff. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, uh, getting back to the house, the trouble is the old trim is about the nicest thing that's still cool from having like an old cool house, mm-hmm. you know, turn of the century kind of deal, but it's just, it's just time consuming all of it. So I did that. And then, uh, Mine is yesterday. not, by the way. Mine is old seventies trim. That's terrible, uh, right? Po- post-war stuff. Yeah. Um, I also uh, made burritos yesterday. That's not <laughs> and all that interesting. Made but I went to the store, got all the stuff, and did all that. I also made breakfast sandwiches. Uh, are you getting that. ready for Gen Con already? No, no. Just <laughs> it's it's nice. I find it kind of uh, you know because i work from home it takes some of the like uncertainty out of the day to know like what i'm gonna eat at least for breakfast and lunch without yeah, for uh, sure. without having to like 
you know, go and dig through the fridge and see if somebody finished the last loaf of bread or <laughs> no, I, whatever. That, that's what, good. The, the things that, you know, when you live in a house with people, you have to deal with in exchange for like somebody else always doing the dishes and whatever. It's a trade off. Sure. I, uh, um, I, I need to do that with Sid for her lunches. I always have kind of pre-made stuff, but I need to like just make my, make it and put it in the fridge and mm-hmm. or freezer and make that. No, that's good stuff. I, I, I still liked your, uh, segue from, I was at the house and then I made sandwiches. <laughs> so yeah, let's do a sort of table contents at the beginning of the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about Avengers, 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 <laughs> the Revengers, um, uh, Avengers Endgame, the culmination of the of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe to this point. I, th- I think the Avengers are an online guild. Is what they are. Mm. Oh yeah, Avengers. E dash like email. E dash Avengers stuff. Yeah back in the demon misty uh and we'll be talking about our our 2020 challenge uh the good the bad and the ugly so where do you want to start with those three let's do let's do the the good bad and the ugly so we can just all right this is our uh 100 movie bucket list 2020 challenge this week we watched uh sergio leone's epic western um uh, epic spaghetti western the good the bad and the ugly the film that uh catapulted clint eastwood into true stardom yeah it's it's funny that it's called the good bad and the ugly because they never actually run it that way in the in the movie they they do like the ugly the bad the good or you know yeah that's that's the order they introduce them it's the other way oh it's reverse yeah they do it in reverse Right. They also they also don't give any of those three characters actual names. Don't they give I give the they give the ugly a name. Like they talk about him. Oh, they call him um like he has a name, shoot. I know. It's the other ones that don't cuz the cuz the bad they call like uh, angel eyes. Angel eyes. Yeah. And then yeah, and then he says he he's a friend of that of the uglies and says his name. Uh, yeah, because you meet yeah. his brother partway through. Okay, so right. as as always for pretty much any topic we talk about on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to spoil it. So if you've not seen this 55-year-old classic, <laughs> uh, sprawling, epic Western, and you don't want to get spoiled on the ending, then you should go watch it and then in three hours come back and listen to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right. Spoiler, they all die. There's a snap, and one third of or one half of them just disappear. One half of them die. Yeah, yeah. One half of the uh, third, and there uh, are three. So, so the one guy gets cut in half. It's cut in half. Gruesome. Hey, so we'll start. What do? You, how do you feel? How do you feel about this movie? This is like the a. This is a for me. What a western is. Yeah, and and that's really the simplest way to define this movie. Um, I watched this with my dad and brother a couple months ago. And so I had a hard time. There's so much movie to this movie and it's so visual that I, I had just watched it, but like most of it, I couldn't remember. I'm like, who are these guys? Why are they, what are they doing? And why are they doing it? Um, And so I watched it in two sittings because I knew I would have a hard time uh, Mm -hmm. keeping focus for that long. Um, A couple of interesting observations uh, one that I noticed fairly early on, because I pay attention to little details like this. Um, the entire movie, as I understand it, was filmed 
picture only, like just video, um, which is how, which is how movies were made in the early days. Charlie Chaplin stuff. They couldn't record sound and video together, uh, and so they would just make the movie with video. They didn't call it video. They would just do the movie with picture, and then have a guy playing a piano or whatever, and put big titles in between if they needed dialogue. Yeah. Right. If they needed text to describe what was going on. Um, and this movie was made in Italy by Sergio wow. Leone, as I said. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Hence the genre spaghetti western. Is what uh, right. I assume it's still called that. I, they wouldn't call a genre that today. It would be offensive, probably. But right. um, you know, this guy and a couple other. Italian film directors were enamored with the West, the American West, and had or probably still have some countryside over there that looks similar to our West during the that expansion period. Right. Um, and so, uh, before I get sidetracked to talking about the West, some of the similar stuff to when we watch Godless, um, most of the actors are not American, right? Clint Eastwood is, and there might be a couple others, but they're mostly um, Italian and some mm-hmm. other nationalities. And for the most part, the actors are all speaking in their native language. Oh, really? And so Leone f- filmed this movie, all these shots, and you can tell watching it that his focus is on the visual. He's yeah. doing all kinds of... I mean, from the very beginning, you see this really wide long shot of the desert you know endless endless dry flat you know high desert right and then a guy's face swings into the picture you know some random uh bandit (laughs) right i don't he might be important later but he you don't know who he is at the beginning anything about him and so you get this like juxtaposition and the the film is constantly going back and forth from that kind of thing, like a really wide shot and a slow to get really close, zoom in on a detail to make sure you're not missing stuff. And then the dialogue was all recorded after the fact. And so you can, if you're paying attention, you can see that the, the mouth, the lip dubbing, as they call, um, is not quite right. I was right. I was like wondering a, why that looked that way because because there was several scenes where you could totally tell that and I'm like did, yeah because I I had bought this movie and then <laughs> recently ripped it off off there and I thought did I rip it wrong or something and right um it's more noticeable in the extras the minor characters who are probably speaking Italian or something you know or they're making mouth sounds that are closer to but Sergio Leone didn't speak English. Um, he had to communicate with Clint Eastwood through a translator. And so he wrote dialogue and then the original version of the movie was released in Italian and then, you know, redubbed in English for the American release. That's funny. And so even Clint Eastwood's audio all seems just a little bit off. Right. Um, and that's and that's that's a just an old thing. Like when I watched movies growing up, that just was a thing. Sure. I mean, it was very common if you watch, um, we talked about Audrey Hepburn a couple of weeks ago with Breakfast at Tiffany's when she did My Fair Lady. She doesn't do any of the singing. Yeah. Um, she sings uh, Moon River in Breakfast at Tiffany's, but My Fair Lady is this big, 
you know, musical uh, movie. And so they have an actual, an actual, they have a, a professional singer singing all those parts. It's just, and then it's just dubbed over. Like that was really common in the sixties. Well, the, by the way, I, I just kind of looked that up. The, the, the ugly's name is Tuco and then there's mm. angel eyes, but then actually credited in that, for that in the script is uh, he's called man with no name. Is, <laughs> Angel is, eyes. No, uh, Clint Eastwood's character is Clint Eastwood. The blondie. Well, guy. that I think that is because this movie is actually the third in a trilogy. No kidding. Really? Oh, I did not know that. Um, he, Leone made fistful of dollars and then for a few dollars more. And this was the third one. Um, except, that chronologically it takes place before the other two. So it's sort of a prequel. Oh, that's interesting. Because he, at the end of the movie, he gets his, uh, his poncho that he wears in those other movies. Oh. I, if I've seen those other movies, it was like when I was a kid with my grandpa. So oh, I, I don't, I know that because I looked it up. But that's, that's interesting. Cause I mean, I, I know of those, but I don't know if I've watched those. Well, so, right. so this one, this, this one's, one... this one's the big one that yeah. everybody knows. There are, um, there are things that he does, uh, you know, talking about, I feel like we've been doing this almost every week for the last four or five of these movies where we're watching movies that are um, sort of crucial in the history of film. Mm-hmm. Um, so many, most notably uh, Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, uh, looks back to this movie as like, you know, the original masterpiece of cinema and pulls elements from it in in terms of the um you know the three-way standoff and and a lot of those those elements yeah um where it just becomes you know it just became so influential in the world of film um that it's well you know me i i I, when i watch these movies i don't think of any you don't think of that stuff right yeah i mean I, i i really didn't i mean and i've seen this movie a couple of times and I, and I still, I mean, I guess now that I'm more acclimated to, to it, I, I do notice some things like I, I notice when the, the, the bottle rolls down the dune and it hits him in the head and it makes like a clearly not sound like a bottle hitting a head thing. Right. And I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's a Foley artist doing that thing. So there's <laughs> some things that pull me out, but for the most part, I, I, that stuff never really, you know, kind of comes to mind or, sure. or whatever. And I, and I, and I, thankfully I get to watch this one and say, Hey, is it good now? Or, is it funny? I will say that the first 30 minutes of this movie, I had a hard time determining if it was a comedy because it's seems so lighthearted. It's kind of serious, but you know, it's like by today's standards, Clint Eastwood is clearly trolling Tuco the whole time. You know, he's, he's taking him along and then Tuco is just this guy that's a crazy guy and well they're running a scam but he's they're not really partners yeah and, right? and then and then he'll he'll try to do something against Clint Eastwood and Clint Eastwood will like just he's too cool for school the whole time and then, <laughs> right you know right. he he's no and Tuco's great I actually I think that the ugly which is Tuco is is great he's probably the best in this thing I know that Clint Eastwood is the good and he's the good guy and all that. But Tuco is just, this movie is centered around him so well, mm-hmm. I, you know, being every, nothing would have worked. It would have been a very boring show had he, him and the actor not been in here. Sure. Sure. Well, and this, I think also this was sort of, um, one of the first times that, a that a hero, especially a Western hero 
was so, um, I guess gray is the right word. I feel like that's a word that I use a lot to describe this, but, um, morally gray. There apparently was a, was an, um, an interaction with John Wayne doing a movie after this, um, where they want the director wanted him to come up behind somebody and shoot him in the back. Mm-hmm. And John Wayne, of course, was like, I'm not going to shoot a man in the back. And, uh, yeah. and he was like, well, Clint Eastwood would shoot him in the back. And he's like, I don't, I don't care what that kid would do. It's like, right. you know, sort of Hollywood rivalry kind of thing, but it's right. Yeah. You've got the Clint Eastwood character, the, the man with no name, Blondie, as he's mostly called in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which is who, funny because he's got like a sandy brown hair, right? That's I wondered about that too, and it was just like, well, he has no name, and so that you know, that's just what this guy calls him. Um, it's like he's he's sort of good, but he's really because he doesn't intentionally kill people. And he doesn't intentionally can, he kill doesn't. people. Um, and but like he's got this guy Tuco who's wanted. And instead of turn, truly turning him in, he's running this scam, turning him in and then saving him. And so it's like he's saving him, but the he, the guy the guy is kind of bad because he's wanted. So yeah, you know, yeah, he, he's definitely not. And at any point, you know, he doesn't even turn him in at the end. Like no, you think like, at some point he's just gonna be like, okay, you get your just desserts and then do it. But yeah, the, that makes him kind of very morally gray. He's kind of a swashbuckler, good, good guy swashbuckler type right. thing, um, which is which is great. He does play he plays Clint Eastwood, but again, it feels like he's playing Clint Eastwood in a comedy because he's just this cool, smooth guy the whole time, but barely says anything. Mm-hmm. And the other guys are just moving around him in a very, you know, funny-ish kind of way, you know, or exaggerated kind of right. way because right. Tuco just talks a lot constantly. Yeah, and and makes up and when when uh, um, the man with no name Blondie doesn't say anything or respond, he just keeps talking and changes his attitude and changes his story. And then like, oh, you're like when he's in the hospital telling him that like, you know, you're gonna die and there's nothing you can do. I just I'm just laughing like this guy's just so terrible. By the way, it has one of the worst like or best I guess um, revenge kill type scenes. Like he Tuco gets Blondie and then makes him walk in the desert until he dies. And he follows him with an umbrella the whole time, <laughs> putting water in his face. I'm like, that is just evil. That is yeah, you know it's real like there's that long sequence and I'm like, Man, this is rough. Like I get that, you know, he he was sick of being, you know, sort of bullied by by Blondie, but it's like until until they get the until they get the information that there's gold you know buried in this uh army cemetery we should say um i don't know there's there's no real point in i i know we've at various times tried to summarize movies when we when we review them but you really need to have seen this before you listen to us talk about it yeah yeah um because there's just too much this story this story is set relatively early like i always think of the wild west period as being from like 1870 to 1890, mm-hmm. you know, plus or minus five years. Um, this movie is set while the Civil War is still happening. Oh, that's right. 
like yeah, right. maybe toward the end so it's probably you know like 64 maybe early 65 yeah and it it's it's intentional that cuz that's a big part of it is the the civil war right right yeah. Um, Which again, comedy, all the things like when they the guys run up and they're all dusty gray, but they're actually blue coats, and <laughs> and I mean it's just there's so much comedy in this thing the whole time, and he's like, oh, darn those Yankees, and oh, this is so good. God's on our side because he hates the Yanks too. He hates the, yeah, and then the guy walks up and he's just super dusty, and I, Clint, when they Clint came you. on and they had all that dust on, I was like, man, they are overtly making those guys dirty, and I was like, oh, because they're. Because they're not, no, they're not no, in gray, and that's Clint Eastwood said. Yeah, God hates idiots too. <laughs> yeah, see, it's just there's so many funny things in it this is, whole. It's movie. it's kind of yeah, it's funny, but Clint Eastwood is being like deadpan funny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's trolling him. He trolls him yeah. the whole time, mm. and then and then if you don't think it's the comedy, the best thing about this movie, the most thing that stands out of anything throughout history is the soundtrack. For because sure. why we all agree that soundtracks make the best of movies, this one has that Western that defines Western sounds now that I can do 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 and they play it loud and proud at the most like hilarious with, moments. Often with comedic timing. Yes. And it and it changes that like the instrumentation changes and the you know, it's sometimes it's voices, sometimes it's I don't know, a flute or a harmonica or something <laughs> right, like a piccolo like planet. All of that. Keep, and it's the same. It's the same. It's the same, except. Um, and I don't know. This can't possibly be new. You know, using music <laughs> to denote themes is a thing, you know, from right. classical music back in the day. But like that is the same most of the time. And then there's a different kind of music that plays anytime they're doing a like Civil War soldier sad melancholy kind of scene when right. like uh i think it's angel eyes comes on a a confederate like fort that's been just shelled to ruin right and the guy's cooking corn cobs right he's boiling mm -hmm. a giant pot of corn cobs because that's right. all they have to eat <laughs> and and he, and there's a completely different kind of music playing right and there's there's at least one other melody that sometimes comes and goes, and there there might be some association there with different characters, um, but that one theme is. But that one theme, the whole I, thing. I read a a BBC article about this this movie earlier today, just to kind of get some of that historical context in my mind for this conversation. And um, the author of that article said that melody is probably one of the most well recognized uh, film scores up there with. Um, Jaws, Jaws's two note climbing uh, thing. Yeah, he had a yeah. he had a musical word for it that I can't remember. And the initial you know hits of the Star Wars theme. Right. And I was like, that's funny because those are both John Williams. We talk about John Williams all the right, time. Right, those two podcast. are. Guess, but yeah, and, um, and and this one, you're right. This one is instantly recognizable, and you know that it's no matter what it is, it's a western. Like and the sound of a western. There are components to that. Yeah, where even if you've never seen this movie, you know that like that little hit is a Western thing. But um, And there's going to be a gunfight. And there's yeah. going to be a gunfight. But even beyond that, when you get the like the very... Um, <laughs> or the stare south, down with the eyeballs. <laughs> Southwestern um, mariachi kind of 
stuff with a lot of horns yeah right like the the string the guitars and the horns very like um you know mexican restaurant kind of right, right. kind of thing but it's very it's very iconic western music now yeah. um well that I, that, you know i don't that... know if if they pioneered that or if it's you know it's a combination of like how italian how an italian composer thought about the western genre the western um idea well this one this one i just like it was used so many weird ways because it was used as a like a cool scene when you know like it's coming up for a duel and they're all being cool and then it uses it as like you know somebody will fall down and he'll look like he's getting his gun and then uh clint eastwood will shoot a look and it'll go and you're like <laughs> yeah yeah he's giving him a warning with the snake eyes well and the music and the, is super punctuating that again and, the, and again and the thing i noticed is as it got closer to the end i remembered more of the details uh because that's the yeah. big like the last 20 minutes are the part of this movie everybody remembers um well, you know the thing about this is that like had this been released today when i talk about that like should this be watched today is that there it's three hours long and Let's be serious. No matter what you say about film history, this didn't need to be three hours long. Like there's no. a, a whole section when he go, they go to the Civil War thing, and there's that captain that dies, like in the bridge, like the he, bombing he, the bridge and the whole thing. Yeah. Like yeah, that that whole sequence feels like it could have been cut. Yeah, um, and a lot of the things, like even his brother at the at the at the monastery, um, the monastery. There's just so much that they they spend five or ten minutes here there on. I'm like. You're like, what is this? What is and and like, not that there are a lot of sequences that seem like dragged out that I think need to stay that way. Sure, the the last gunfight for sure. But there, but there are whole segments that you could cut. So the the part that I'm leading up to is Tuco gets to the cemetery first, (laughs) and the the whole the whole deal is there's gold buried somewhere in a military. I don't remember which side. There's a big military cemetery, and somewhere is buried two hundred thousand dollars. Yep, two hundred thousand, which is huge. It's right. probably it's like twenty million dollars today or something. Right, right. Um, and you know they Tuco and Blondie come across a wagon of dying Confederate soldiers, and um, Tuco hears the name of the cemetery, and Blondie hears the name of the grave where the gold is buried. Neither of them will tell the other. And so they, their dynamic switches from Blondie being Tuco's sort of prisoner that he's just walking to death to now they're, he's got to try and help him. And they, (laughs) you know, sort of travel together as, as reluctant friends for most of the rest of the movie. And they, the best part is that they're, I really love how they're always trying to kill each other. Like totally. Uh, Tuco tries to hang, blondie or have him hang himself and then blondie shoots tuco with a cannon <laughs> right <laughs> when he's running terrible away terrible people yeah these two terrible people are just killing and, and trying to kill each other so he gets to the cemetery and at this point they've exchanged the names that they know right before they blow the bridge that's probably the only reason for the bridge scene is it's like they're about to do something so reckless that they're like one of us might die we should just finally share this information right and he gets there tuco gets there and you know now he's got to find the headstone in this big um the cemetery is a circle there's like a big flat open space in the middle 
and the graves are all arranged in concentric circles emanating out from there. And so he's running and he's and he's looking. He's you know, he starts and moving kind of slowly and he's moving from from stone to stone looking and it's a completely new uh piece of music we've not heard yet. At least I if we did I didn't notice it. Right. And and it builds and it accelerates and the camera keeps spinning faster as he's running and he's going and he's looking. And that takes that scene takes forever. It takes a long time, but I think of it in in the sense of like um what was I watching? Oh, I'll come I maybe I won't come back to this, but I thought of it again later last night when I was watching Game of Thrones where they're these long waiting sequences. Mm-hmm. And I my family used to do civil war reenacting. So, uh I don't really know what it's like to be in a battle. That's not what I'm trying to say. Right. But we would definitely do this thing where you know, we had we had veterans, actual veterans who participated in this hobby, and they would talk about this concept of hurry up and wait. Where like if you are an officer in an army and you anticipate the enemy uh attacking, you have to get your, your men ready and then wait for that attack to come. Right. Right? And so you have to get everybody th- and now they're they're there, they're they're amped up. They're but th- but they have to wait. Um, right. That's a little bit how this is. I'm like, okay, obviously, it would take a long time to find a specific name in a cemetery with no direction except for that name. Right. He doesn't show us that full length of time, but he does show us a lot of time and building the tension. It's like he's so close. He's so close to finding this gold, and he wants to find it before um, Blondie catches up with him, right? Because then he can have it to himself. And then that same technique is used again when Blondie shows up, and then Angel Eyes shows up, and they go into this three-way, what I think for a while and probably still is called Mexican standoff. Yeah. right. Right? Where there's two, nobody can shoot anybody because the other guy will shoot them maybe kind of thing it's just like a duel except much more tense because of the three because of the triangle right uh threat right and so so well done how how that resolves too that sequence is yet again a new piece of music right it's it's a completely different theme that builds and escalates and the cinematography matches its pace. So the music starts out kind of slow and you see one guy and the guy's kind of back up there in the circle and they, they get further till they're at the edge and they're looking and the camera will show one guy and then it'll show the other and then it'll show the third and then a wide shot. And then, and those cuts, those camera cuts get faster and they get more detailed. You know, they'll show the one guy, his hand is close to his gun. The other guy, his hand's close to his gun. Right. And then they'll show their eyes. And it, they foreshadow it a little bit because Clint Eastwood is only looking at angel eyes. Where the other two guys are looking back and forth. Right. And the music builds. And the, and the shots build. And they go till at the crescendo of it, it's, it's flashing like... 
boom, 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 from one guy to the next up until the gunfire. And that whole sequence takes a full, like, two and a half minutes. Yeah, it's a long sequence. Which, in, you know, in normal life terms, you're like, two and a half minutes is not that long. But in, in the world of, like, a tense, you know, gun standoff, Right. Is very long and right. nothing happens. Like these three guys don't do anything for that whole time until the gunshot. Well, I, um, I think, I think that actually I, I would, I would disagree with that. I think that they, in those shots, they do a lot of very subtle things. Like it's, important. that's what I, that's what I mean. It's not like, you know, a modern action movie where there's like swing, hitting, punching and jump. There's a lot of action. Right. The action is all, um, subtle and understated and high, uh, high, in, high tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh like when they he's they're holding their hand next to the the bullets. They're just he's slowly moving, and then mm-hmm. Tuco's is twitching, and you know it, it, th- <laughs> those those are the little things that were were mattered. But yeah, so I I I definitely I liked it before. I like this again, and it is long. And that's we we knew that like last week we were mentioning like it's a western and it's long, so you know it's it's what yep. it is. You always know what to expect. It's the same thing we had with that Netflix one we we watched. Um, what was that one called? The the western. Godless. No, yeah, Godless. Like we knew, you know what you're getting into. You know it's going to be long scenes of vistas mm-hmm. and. You know, just lingering on long things. And that's, you just know what you're getting when you come into that. And knowing that, it makes me a lot easier to overlook things like this should be cut or get to the point. Because I sat down knowing <laughs> that this is going to be a long journey. Right. Know? And and that's okay. So if you, it's kind of like going, as we transition to Endgame here, you knew that it was going to be a three-hour movie. You know, you can't expect it to be, you know, over or then to be fast breaknet speed for three hours you, you know, sure kind of sure but all so, right let's yeah. um we should do uh our our final thoughts yeah sure uh, uh bucket list movie good movie or a movie to pe- i mean i think i know what you're gonna say but go ahead uh, i think that you should watch this once uh, i don't think it's one that you have to watch over and over and again but um if you've never experienced Western or you're not sure what a Western is, then this is definitely one that you, you, you should watch as a good holistic thing. I don't think you need to watch it. I don't think it like you have to watch it for a bucket list. Oh my gosh, you're going to learn so much from movies or your life is going to be enriched, but it's, it's definitely a fun. I'm glad I watched it in my life. I would tell other people like, Hey, yeah, if you're (laughs) bored on a Saturday and that comes up, yeah, it's worth sitting down and watching. Is it a must-see? Nah, I don't think so, but it's a good one. I mean, like like so many of the movies on this list, um, if you're if you're interested in movies or curious about the history of cinema, you absolutely should watch this. Yeah, um, especially these older ones that are on our list. They're, they're going to be on there for that reason. Yeah, if you if you are only going to watch one classic western, this is the one. I think so too. I mean, um, a lot of people who are John Wayne fans are going to be would be insulted by that but i would agree with that yeah Although and i, I don't Outlaw know wills is pretty close but i've sure. i've what i saw most of those as a kid so it's hard for me to say my brother and sister and i tried to watch the searchers the about searchers. a year and a half ago yep, yep. and i just was confused the whole time mm-hmm. um so i can't really recommend that maybe the original true grit or something right uh is is up there i mean you should watch john wayne 
do something just f- to see how um how different he was than his contemporaries mm-hmm. in terms of acting with subtlety in an era where acting was all still very like stage acting very right. big very exaggerated the way that tuco oh, character acts exactly. in this, yeah and john wayne was in this movie the way i understand it not that we should talk about this but john wayne was uh, evolved into being kind of who he was in the movies like the duke was the duke in real life sure. the same way he was on the screen so he's he was a, a tom cruise of you know that back then. <laughs> yeah right. a little bit of a oh man i had a whole idle whole thing i thought we should talk about method acting uh oh that's in, a, that's in a the context thing. of this like mm-hmm. audio being dubbed over but whether you're following the direction like classical acting or whether you're method and if you're if your movie is made without the sound, then you can't possibly be method acting. Right. Uh, because the language isn't there. You can't be reacting to the other person if you don't understand them. Anyway, I missed well, that whole thing. That that, so, thing. yeah, that, that's a good one. What's our, what's our next one for next week? Our next one is Train Spotting. Uh, I, it's a, wow, I've not even, I don't even think I've heard of that. It's a newer. One. How, do I, how do I not know this? I mean, you'd think that, that I, would, I would know it, but. Or you say if it's newer, like in the 20th Ninth, century? 1996. Century? Oh, 96. Yeah, wow. So it's not that new. It's over 20 years old now. Okay, um, well, that's that's cool. I mean, it's something that somebody thinks is pretty good, and I should have seen it back then. Uh, I can't believe it escaped me. Set in Edinburgh. Uh, it's 90 minutes long, 93 minutes. Okay. So Do we, have complete you seen this opposite one? of this. I saw it years and years ago, probably at least 10 years ago. Well, what kind of movie is it? Can Ewan I Ewan McGregor that? is in it. Um, well, I like him. I like him. It says, let's see, Renton, who is Ewan McGregor's character, deeply immersed in the Edinburgh drug scene, tries to clean up and get out despite the allure of the drugs and influence of friends. So it's okay. a drug movie. So it's a drug movie. It's a serious drama. Okay. I. All right. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it was kind of funny, but I don't remember. It's okay, eight point okay. two stars. But, but Very... I wouldn't expect it to be a rom com. No, no, no. Okay, definitely not. If it's going to be dark comedy at best. Okay, all right. So we'll, we'll watch that one. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I got to <laughs> after all this time, I got to hear your. I you and I have intentional, at least I have, intentionally not talked to each other about Endgame. Um, I mean, we did talk about Endgame. A little bit, right? Like Saturday or whenever we were on uh, Satisfactory. Oh yeah, I, well, a little bit. That's right. But we I, actually. <laughs> that's I, funny. I, we we got on there with Zahn because it was the three of us playing, and, and we started talking about it. it. And then he hadn't seen it, so we had to not talk, and it was very frustrating because we wanted to talk. I we couldn't just say any words. Once once he signed off, I intentionally brought up all of my political opinions <laughs> on the movie because I don't want to talk about that on the show. Right. Uh, oh man. Um, okay. Once once again, spoiler warning. If you yeah, we're, we're not even messing with this one. You should not even come it, a second into. It's this been thing. out a week, over a week by the time this podcast airs. But if you have not seen Endgame, absolutely stop listening to us. Yeah. We're, we're gonna not going to beat on the bush because every word that you say about Endgame here is a spoiler. I mean, you yeah, could barely I mean, color a thing, and you can yeah. hardly talk about this movie without without yeah. spoiling from the very first scene yeah um, so so the the first scene here we go the first scene uh 
this movie, I will, I'm not going to go into big details because like, I just want to kind of do a Q&A thing back and forth. Here, sure. So, we could spend six hours on this. For sure. Uh, so in the interest of time, I will ask you some questions and you tell me how you feel. Okay. Um, so th- this, I felt that this could be three movies, that there was, there was three acts, definite acts, and they were, they were uh, almost full, worthy of full-fledged things. Thing. How did you yeah. feel about act one? Being that once Thanos was head lopped off, yeah, I mean, just to just to complete that thought about pacing and the and the scope of the film, like Good, Bad, and the Ugly felt like it could have been told in ninety minutes. Yeah, um, this movie felt like three minutes, a uh, three minute, three hours of nonstop story, and I and I respect the decisions of the Russo brothers not to go full Peter Jackson and like this could have been like at least three movies and just like drag everything out. But like they literally could have, right. You're right. Yeah. Get through it all and, and be done and move on. Like that's a, that's a creative decision they made. And I, and I think it, it works. Um, How how did you feel about that? That what I thought was a very big surprise first act. I mean, so it's it was sort of a roller coaster, right? Like you start with this sequence of of Clinton his family. That's a downer. Like from when it right. started, I was like, oh no, I see what's happening. And very I, real and personal. They start out making this movie very and personal. then and then the big fight, what would be the crescendo of a normal Marvel film, yep. kicks off like f- ten minutes in. And yeah. I would I was sitting next to Andrew, and he was like, uh, what already? They're Stop. doing this already? Like Boom, Iron Man is safe. Uh, Boom, they meet uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, Boom, they're going to go into space. They're going to go find Thanos, and they're going to friggin' deal with it. And we're like, what? What? This is a three-hour movie. What are they going to (laughs) do? What comes after this? Well, that's a thing. That's a theme for me, by the way. This movie, at least for me, happened many times. They would present something to me. And I would think, oh, this is what's going to happen because mm-hmm. movies happen this way. This is what has happened. And then they just spin it. And, like, not and immediately, subvert like, it. Sub- flip very, it. Yeah. And, and Act I mean, 1 was just, hey, you know what? We're going to do this for you. This is, we're going to do this to you the whole, whole show. Yeah. 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 Um, so th- cutting off Thanos' head was uh, like, a, oh, I, there's, they, can't, they can't possibly make anybody in the rest of this movie a big bad equal to it's, that. Yeah. This is it's, impossible. Uh, it's fan service in a very unsatisfying way. Which right. you feel the same way that all the characters feel. Yeah, you're just angry and you get it done. And then, but and uh, but I will say, for me, there was a lot of nuance that was really well done. Very very Russo brothers kind of make this a real world type thing in that mm-hmm. first one with Tony being lost. It's it's interesting to to say that every trailer that came out was basically the first act. There was nothing about the rest of the time yeah. at all. Yeah, right. you and, expect, and and now I understand why in interviews the Russos were like, yeah, but we made sure that we had full final say over the trailers, so the stuff you see here might not be uh, the thing. And most notably, uh, I think of the line from the very first trailer, part of the journey is the end. Yeah. Right, which in the trailer you think is part of his recorded message into the helmet, for for um pepper right yeah ends up not being the case but you forget like i watched that sequence and i was like oh he didn't say part of the journey is the end i guess it's just a line that got cut just like all the things that we have seen in trailers that don't make it into the movie right that happens all the time right you're like oh yeah they cut out that line that's what they they also 
knowing that they had control over the, the the trailer makes a lot of sense because there were some scenes that I knew were in the trailer and it was exactly shot for shot that's in the trailer. I'm, I'm thinking of when they're walking towards the time machine type thing. Right, right. In their suits. Like they chose to cut out the Hulk. Like he, because when they're walking, you can see oh. him walking behind people. But in the trailer, you go back, watch, it's just the background. They're like, okay, take the CGA Hulk out here. Right. And, and, like, and they're, we don't want you to know that he's Brainy Hulk. And they're wearing white suits that look like, you know, they just all have matchers, white, wet, matching white Avenger suits. Yep. Yep. But it's a nobody, Ant-Man suit. Kinda- nobody has the helmet on because once they put the helmet, oh, it's the Ant-Man helmet. Right. Everybody except Rhodey has an Ant-Man helmet when they go into the, the quantum realm. Wait, does... Does Rhodey still have his Iron Man, Iron Man outfit on? Yeah, oh, yeah. He's weird. got he's got his suit under. The, I mean, I guess because his suit is not nanotech like um, right. Tony's. Yeah, Tony's. Uh, yeah, and so he has the he has the War Machine Iron Man helmet uh, oh, instead of the Ant Man helmet. Oh, that's I, I like that. But so okay, we're, without getting off track there. So there, there was the, okay, the that, they did the emotional part with Tony at the beginning, and they did a really good realistic type thing with Tony being uh, emaciated. I thought that was well done, right? He oh, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like skinny, and I was like, whoa, they they aren't messing around with him showing that he was almost dead. They could have easily just like said that was a thing, whatever. Most and movies some, would. And some really subtle sort of bonding between him and Nebula. Yeah, right. With the like the football thing and... Uh, and then he goes into like back to the Civil War thing. Like they did not dismiss at all that they still have a beef and that Tony is still pissed and he is hurt. And, and he yeah. comes out firing at Captain America right off the bat. And he, you know, reestablishes his, his uh, feelings that about Peter Parker dying and makes it, it makes infinity war even more real. He, he calls right. back to like, how dare you? I wanted to make a, a shield around the world. He says lines from the other movies and you're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But these guys, the writers and the directors like, watched multiple times the old movies i mean they they just <laughs> yeah. know everything yeah uh so anyway that was a super surprise okay so moving into to, to what i want to call movie two um the the historical time jump chaos oh my god how did you feel about that because it's like oh, they man. even say like don't pay attention to back to the future and then then you have the scene <laughs> with the the sorcerer sorcerer supreme in the bat in the past and how did you feel about this movie part here? The Sorcerer Supreme. That That's um, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton, yeah. I always want to call her the Oracle. Right, I don't right. know if that's even remotely accurate. Right. Um, because she comes and talks about multiverses then. Right. Um, yeah, if you, if you take the stone, it branches off the thing. Um, the movie stuff was funny. I, I noticed immediately that in their list of time x movie you know mm-hmm. time this time you know t- all the time travel movies right. um nobody mentioned the time machine hg wells yep. which yep. has probably been adapted into movie at least three times right uh but in the most recent which is the only one i've seen um they established that if a traumatic event drives you to create time travel you can't go back and undo that event because then you'll have never invented time travel and you create a paradox right um most most um stories movies tv shows resolve that by using multiple universes right oh yeah right. uh, if you change something now you're in a different, different timeline right 
This one, this one's adhered as closely because Tony was making a big point of like, do save the people, but keep things the same. That was one of the, those two things were important to what they were doing here. And I didn't get, yeah. honestly, I didn't get until when Hulk did it, that they actually planned to bring people back in the present, not from the past. They weren't undoing the time. Right. I didn't get that. Right. Like, oh, that's what, that's why they're not changing the timeline. Okay. Because they can't. Yeah, it's this weird thing where they're they're changing the past, but not really. Only in this one way, which you know is a is a movie thing that you you should. Well, now after the fact, us talking about it is fine to pick it apart. But in the moment in the movie, you're you know you're not really supposed to have time to think about it. Yeah. Um, right. And. You know, so they do all this stuff. You're like, oh, what happens because Thor took Mjolnir right, right in between these two movies? Like, doesn't he lose the hammer at some point? No, that's a different. Right. Uh, Hela breaks it in Hela, right, Ragnarok. Right. And, yeah, the, the, uh, this that's, is, this... that's a different thing because, you know, they take the stones back and put them back. Everything else is the same except now Thanos is dead. Right. Now, now this this is where the the it becomes what I want to say with air quotes is comic book. I mean, at this, when you start sure. doing the timeline thing from this phase forward, there's, they start kind of falling apart with some of their reasoning things and you just really have to hand wave and say comic book. It's okay. Yeah. Stop trying to, and I, I, I've said that a couple of times to people I've talked now, they're like, well, what about, well, what about, I'm like, you just got a hand wave here and say it was fun. That part was fun and mm -hmm. they, and it's okay. Right. Because the things we're probably, you and I are probably going to even mention, it's like, yeah, there's no real explanation for that, but it's you know it's interesting. I namely Loki just this afternoon is a big one. Sure, uh, I was talking to my coworker uh, this afternoon, and he said one of the things Marvel almost always does is sort of uh, undermine their own drama. Yeah, um, the example he gave is Guardians One. They make the decision and they stand up. Right. Yeah. They stand in circle. They're like, stand with me, mm -hmm. you know, and it's this big what could be a big emotional moment. And it is. But then, you know, two beats later, Rocket goes, here we are. Look at us. Bunch of a-holes standing in a circle. <laughs> right. You know. And it's and it's this sort of very tricky, but usually. Well executed balance. I'm talking about Thanos. Mm -hmm. Um between having a serious moment that that resonates emotionally but bringing some comedy back in just so that you don't go too Zack Snyder with it. Yeah, we yeah, we're dark again. And the, and the, you also don't get too serious about thinking about everything. You think, "Oh, it's it's a movie. It's a comic book movie." It's you know, we're, right. we're back I mean, in even it. in the even in the beginning of this movie when they go and find Thanos, uh, you know, Thor chops his head off, and people are like, "Thor, what did you, what did you just do?" Oh, that was so good. And he just like, says, "I went for the head." I, I went for the head, and it's not it's not funny the way Rocket is funny, but it's still you're like, "Oh yeah, he did." Yeah, okay, cool. Like that, that, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Um, so the, the in the second in the second movie phase act whatever, um. They they start to to break a few things like the the Loki disappearing is that's a timeline buster there, um, because if Loki was gone, also 
when we talked about the time travel issues, a, a guy came to me today, a, a coworker, and he says the the heart the, the big the one thing he can get across with anything, but the one problem are you he, are you your office uh, comic yeah, book guru? Yeah, they, they all come around. People they, come they know to I'm you playing with this their stuff. yeah, I'm unabashedly their inquiries. A, a nerd. Um, so he said, "There's the one thing that I could not let go of, no matter what, and it actually has to do with the third act." Is he says that that when Captain America is you know, an, they, an old man sitting by the thing and he's supposedly alive during all the events that happened. And this man who we've come to know as the paladin good, who would never stand by and let anything happen. Sure. Evidently spent his whole life letting Hydra live the life. Bucky be tortured and was just like, okay with it. Well, making family reunions with his niece. Very awkward. That's true. Except that, all right, family reunions. Sneeze. Yeah. Um, except that Cap is the guy who he always does what's right. And messing with the timeline is not is not right. It's not worth Well, you know, she also didn't have her kids then either. Right? She didn't get married to whoever she was gonna get married to. Apparently in her TV show, she has a husband who's never like recognized or acknowledged in some way. So I think the implication is that it's him, but they keep it secret. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. Okay. That makes sense. That's cool. Okay. So anyway, I don't want to get that. My point was, is that it gets, it gets tricky and you just got to be like, okay, it's okay. It's fun. Um, Yeah. Time travel is weird. I'll say the, the bit of that, that I most, there was a lot of funny stuff. Um, The hail Hydra uh, was pretty on point. Dr. Hulk, whatever, professor Hulk, whatever they call the, the, banner hulk hybrid him like did, did trying to like smash him? was very oh funny. that was funny he's just like, um <laughs> he's like oh this is kind of gratuitous but okay <laughs> and he smash. sees the crazy hulk come by in front of him he's like oh god <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing um that that was funny but the the sequence i appreciated the most pr- probably unsurprisingly is the interaction between um Tony Stark and his father. Yeah. Um, sure. That's a, you know, as far back as the original back to the future, when Marty McFly meets his mother, she, you know, obviously doesn't know who he is. Um, I've never seen a family interaction like this. I'm sure there are some out there where, you know, a character meets and, you know, and they're older, but this is like, he's just about to be born. And so his dad is going through this, this, you know, self-reflection and self-doubt. And Tony has been a father for several years at this point. Mm-hmm. And he knows and his so, dad as a father perspective. Right. And you know, if, you know, clearly, I don't, we didn't say this at the outset, but like, this is a movie for people who have seen the other movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unlike most of the, of the Marvel films, like... You're not going to get anything out of this if you've not seen the rest of this. So I mean, if you, you don't know, watch Infinity War and still get it. You could watch just these two and maybe be okay, but you don't. Nobody has explained who anybody no, is. That's, like, what I mean is that you could watch Infinity War by itself and say that's okay. That's a movie, and you don't watch any of the other ones. Okay, maybe you could not watch any movie, and then what? Okay, maybe. I mean, maybe but this one. You Infinity can't. War. Infinity War starts out with like Thor, Loki, 
Heimdall and Hulk all on this ship battling Thanos, and you don't know true, who anybody true, okay. is. There's no time in that movie. You're right. Anyway, you're right. Uh, so you have to know at least a little bit, you know, as I've, I've watched most of the movies once, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm not a super fan, but I'm a guy who watched them like sort of as they were coming out. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't remember hardly anything from the original Iron Man. I think I saw it in the theater and that's it. Right. But um, to understand the complicated relationship Tony had toward his father, who was now gone, who's been gone for a while, like he had a real like bitter, um, place in his heart for his father to meet him and talk to him man to man, not knowing, you know, because, um, Howard, his father is more honest with him as a stranger than he would have been, you know, if he had survived and they, right. they had talked talk for as adults later, he would still always be his son. He would never talk to him as an, you know, directly as another person because he'd always be his son. Right. Um, all of that was really, was really great yeah, the, to me. There, there's a scene that's that's uh, close to that. It's done differently, but Thor's got a lot of comic release leaf in this one. But he does have a scene mm -hmm. with his mom that I thought was a a semi unique time travel experience because, he, like Tony, he meets his parent, but um, his mom knows that he's time traveling. Like his mom says right, right off the bat, like. Uh, oh, you're not the Thor I know. You're from a different time traveling thing. She's like, I was raised with witches, so I'm used to this kind of stuff. And, and which was just blatant, flat out like, okay, I know who you are. I know you're my son. I know this is a thing. And she kind of gets the idea that she's going to die, doesn't want to know about it. But she's um, she starts talking to him like the level that he needs to be talked to. Like as if Tony went back and right. talked to Howard and Howard realized he needed to be you know, make up for the sins that he did as a, you know, for some reason he's going to do or something. This is what happens with the mom. She knows that like my son is in some kind of crisis and I'm going to take care of him because that's what he, he needs. Right. And I was like, that's, that, that is a, that's also very sci-fi as guardian. Like that seems like a normal thing in their, that world life. Right. That they would yeah. do stuff. Um, and that was really kind of touching and neat. And uh, and then, of course, that brings Mjolnir back. So, OK, moving along here again. Act three, we get into the big, huge thing. Uh, that's yeah. movie number three. This could have this movie. This right here could have been Endgame. I th actually thought that this right here was what Endgame was going to be. Just one big, huge fight that, you know, Thanos sure. got to fight. Um, how did you oh, how do you say how do you feel about this? <laughs> um, talk about. Tell me about your your emotions as you went from this. This starts where um, this I'm going to say it starts with the snap with Hulk snap mm -hmm. and then goes into the end of the movie. Tell me about like how your emotions went from after the Hulk snap with he he gets attacked by Thanos. The whole place does. To OK, so I um I have an Apple watch <laughs> and I kept getting. um uh I kept getting notifications on my watch that my heart rate was high, considering that my watch knew I wasn't active. Right. They're like, you've been inactive since 6 o'clock, but your heart rate is over 120. Yeah. Uh, or something. Right. You know, I would just see it light up. I'm like, oh, it's the heart yeah. rate thing. Um, so that's my answer to your question <laughs> in, in the most literal yeah. terms. It was going uh, up and down, in, right? Yeah. In retrospect looking back on it, I appreciated how from the moment of that snap, um, 
the filmmakers, the Russos threw so much crazy, complicated, uh, awesome, eventually stuff at you from like, uh, um, you know, Nebula is not the real, not their Nebula. Yeah. And Thanos comes in in his ship and he bombs them and a couple of them might drown and they might get the gauntlet and yep. he comes down and he sends her to go get it. He doesn't look for it himself. And then there are these, you know, there's some Gamora Nebula stuff and they sort of, uh, reconcile and like stuff starts to starts to wind down. There are moments there where you might have some time to breathe Barely, and right? think early. And then the three, the big three, Thor, Cap, and Iron Man are gonna go fight Thanos and they fight. And that's you get you get distracted by that and you're like, oh, oh Thor's Thor's dual wielding yeah. now. It's big, you know, it's thing. And then then he gets knocked down and you're like, okay, okay. And then Cap Tony gets knocked out. Pulls yeah. Tony gets knocked out and then Cap pulls Mjolnir. <laughs> and even Thor is like <laughs> Right. It. Right. And at and that you're point, like, your everyone's like, heart is racing a hundred miles an hour, right? I don't I don't even care what or how or why Captain America's worthy and Thanos is screwed. <laughs> yeah, right. Like if, if Thor could wield it, oh my god, he's he will. And he's going right. and the, there's lightning and he like they, the, you know, thunderbolt <laughs> like, oh crashes god. down from the sky yeah. and hits and it's all so awesome to to the point where and the point I'm getting at with this is that there's some like you know he attacks him right away so you're like okay this is this is crazy like they and it's did not it, just but they're attacking him right away by like, the way it's it's a devastating missile launch that they're, you feel they're in your new bones. you know they moved from the big tower in in manhattan to this like remote location and he just levels yeah, with it. them all in it with and impunity so you're like you're like oh man crazy and then it gets you know slow he interacts with gamora uh, I mean, with Nebula, the other Nebula interacts with Gamora, and they come yeah, but even down. Then, the other Nebula like, shoots okay. the other Nebula in pretty hardcore, and you have at the same time you have uh, Jeremy Renner running from the dogs and shooting stuff, and it's right. There's all this stuff down in the in the underground part. Rocket yeah, might Iron drown. Man is running, Hulk um, is holding everything up, and right, and they lost the gauntlet, yeah. or you know they did. They can't tell where yeah. it is, and. So there's like big action off the bat, and then it slows down a little bit, and then it gets really big with this with this Thanos right. and and Cap fight, and then you know the the shield starts to break, and he brings his whole. Yeah, but then arm, you it, know, it even a, slows a, down then though too, right? There's a there's a momentary pause where everything slows down, and you're like, there's Cap's going to die. There's a pause, and there's another there's another Thanos monologue, yeah. right? Where he's he's bringing his whole army, and he's like, oh, you know, yeah. this was a. This was a bring balance to the force kind right. of thing, but he's like, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take some pleasure in wiping out your yeah. stupid planet. And you're it's slow. And you see that that movie scene that that Sydney calls the poster movie poster scene, where like Cap is on one the side and scene. the army's coming on the other, and you're like, it's slow and terrifying, <laughs> um, and it's it's very you know there's all this symbology and yeah. all that stuff. But uh, what I noticed about that in retrospect is that there's so much happening from. Thanos' ship showing up and bombing them to him dueling with Cap and then bringing his army down that you you never have a moment to think and realize that everyone else is yeah, back. Right. 
right? And so that moment when those portals, those uh, um, wizard portals open up, Strange and and Wong's wizard portals, you're like, oh, yeah. It's it's happening. They've got backup. And they just start pouring Uh, in from left and right. And you're like, all of a sudden you have the exhilaration. You have almost a hopeless moment led by. And then you're just, you're just everyone, every freaking person from this entire 20 some movies worth of, of franchise, like throwing everybody you've ever seen um, into this battle. Every second is, Uh, is a heavy historical moment of something like, when it happens, we going from Cap wielding Mjolnir to the Wasp saying, "We got it, Cap," and then giving Paul Rudd a look like because she chastised him once for calling him Cap. Uh, yeah, calling him things Cap. like that, and then all of a sudden, Valkyrie's on a horse, which everybody wanted her to see a her Pegasus. on Pegasus. And, and then the next scene is you have Pepper in her rescue armor, and then like it just rescue, never right. ends. Everything is like you can't breathe. So, Sp- Spider Man's doing all his stuff, and he he you know, gets picked up by, by Valkyrie and they're like, Oh, Hey, Hey, I'm Peter Parker. You <laughs> yeah. Know, kind and, of. and he comes in. <laughs> it's crazy. great. He was great when he came in and through the portal type stuff, because you're, you just mentioned like all it starts breakneck speeding at that point. And Peter Parker comes in yeah. well-written, well-acted. And the fact that he's talking a mile a minute, just like the actions happening. I mean, it's a, it's not a callback, but it takes me back to civil war. Yeah. Right. Where he's fighting with Falcon and um, who? no Falcon and yeah Bucky no. yeah yeah you got a metal arm that's and, so cool and he's like he's like I don't know if you've ever been in a fight before kid there's usually not this much talking <laughs> right. which is I mean that's again I'm not a big comic reader but that's my understanding oh, yeah. of Spider Man like he's just talking quipping all and definitely this Tom Holland interpretation of this character is oh, definitely God, that way so last week we watched Infinity War and they're doing that fight with Thanos right before, you know, they get him stretched out, whatever. And he's jumping through the strangest portals. It's like magic, more magic, magic with a kick. (laughs) So good. Right. It's just, he's, he's talking, talking and yeah, he comes through the portal and he's talking to, he finds Tony and he's like, man, I don't know what happened. We were there. Remember we were on an alien planet, you know, I must've passed out. And and Tony's just like sparkly fingers. (laughs) I mean, and then then Tony just hugs him and he's like, Oh, this is what we're doing so, now. Okay. So many nice. things, so many things I loved about this movie, but between all of the context, mm-hmm. right? So like I'm going to I'm I'm just about to give huge credit to Robert right. Downey Jr. and a lot of that is oh, his yeah, acting. For sure. Right? For sure. But to, to to credit where credits due to the writing for this whole yes. franchise. Um and the writing for his scenes, but he has so many scenes, so many moments that have no dialogue, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing. There's nothing. That, I mean, sure, a director told him, you're, gave him some direction in that scene, but there's like no that, yeah. writing. There's nothing for him to say. All the way back to um, when he decides that he's going to help them figure out the quantum realm time oh, traveling. Yeah, we can't even talk. I mean, there's so uh, many things here. Yeah. Issue, like you see in his face the the conflict between the family he has now his wife and his young daughter and his guilt over what happened to peter uh peter parker and strange yeah, he pulls Quill out and, that he pulls out that picture else. of peter the picture and 
there's there's almost i mean he sees the thing he figures it out and he says shit but for the like he interacts with his daughter and you can see painted on his face this this conflict this struggle and that's there in that moment on the battlefield where like everything else is going on there's crazy the the big flying alien things from the first avengers movie are in the sky and there's you know valkyrie riding a pegasus like it's chaos but he sees peter parker and he's alive and he's chattering like because it's just been a it's just been a minute for him and he's still the same and it's just all in his face all in his expression and he just hugs him and like in astonishment you know like iron man is has this face of like utter astonished that this is happening i have him back or type thing and yeah and that's when peter you know like does the marvel thing right you, you get a very <laughs> serious important moment and he has the the lightning oh, oh this is this is nice this is what we're, this is what we're doing I this is like what this. we're doing good. Nice. <laughs> and and that's so good so yeah okay so you go from again highs and lows at a breakneck speed this by the way, all the things we're saying is a reason why this is a many, many, many viewing movie. It's because you can watch it so many times and everything is, every second is something new. It's going to have one-liners. It's going to have comments. It's going to be things that you all talk about for yeah. years and years to come. <laughs> so it, you go up and down, you go up and down. And then um, my experience in the movie theater, you watched it a couple days after launch. So I wonder if it was the same for you. I, mean, I know I that the guy it talked Friday. To, I didn't Friday. wait. It's only like a day. A day. It was okay. a day. Okay, to, it felt like forever because we couldn't talk about it. <laughs> um, and then uh, my the guy, the coworker that I did today, and my daughter Hope couldn't watch it until Sunday. And I asked them the same question: like when we were in the theater with this breakneck up and down speed, every it just got so everyone's emotions so up and down that it just revved the electricity in the theater where people were standing at certain parts, were clapping and cheering, oh, wow. and whoops and hollers. Um, like when Hulk, uh, Hulk, uh, Hulk, uh, Captain got, got Mjolnir, everyone stood up and, and clapped nice. and then you heard, you heard yeses from things. Um, and then, and then it would go down to the low parts and you could not hear a pin drop. Yeah. When that's, things happen. That's how it was for us when the movie started. Andrew and I had some guys behind us who were real chattery before the movie. And I was like, uh, we're going to. We're going to watch. I mean, because the theater was packed. It's a small theater and it was sold mm-hmm. out. And I'm like, uh, we're going to have these dude bros behind us the whole movie. But as soon as the movie started, they were silent. And I was like, OK, that's that's good. The only that's the thing, there yeah. was there was some out loud laughter at at least one of the the big funny. I forget which one. Um, and then the other was when the backup shows up, which you know, we've talked about Lord of the Rings and the Rohirrim at Pelennor Fields. Like, yeah. I love that stuff. Right. And um, he opens those portals and the three, uh, T'Challa and his general and his sister, Shuri, yep. show up. Somebody toward the front of the theater just yells out, Wakanda forever. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I was like, so ah, good. that's good. That's good. That's so good. Right. You just get energized. Um, So the the pin drop thing happened and there's obviously two, there's several heavy scenes here, but two of the Mm -hmm. biggest have to do with Tony when, when Iron Man dies and and then when Iron Man's funeral is. And, and I know for me, I was holding back tears when he died. (laughs) I was just trying to do the whole guy thing where you're like, I'm definitely in the feels hard here. Just hold it in. My tears can, 
can form in my eyes, but I, I'm not going to be loud enough to go down. Right. And then, right. but the funeral happened and the funeral, that's when like the, it just starts rolling down my eyes on the side. And I was like, I just can't stop anymore. But you could hear that. Not you just hear the pin drop. It was so quiet in the theater when those happens, you would hear the, the muffled whimpers of people Sniff, sniffling the sniffles. You know, they would be trying, you know, just, they couldn't hold it back. And I was like, that's so good. And I've watched a lot of movies with fans on launch days. Sure, and those those moments to me are super special. That you I heard know they're impactful. And I heard a lot of that else. during Infinity War, and I think for me, because I knew like we had talked about it enough. I didn't read the comics, but I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. he's probably going to win this phase, and then half the people are going to yeah. die. So I was prepared for it. So it wasn't really a character dying is not necessarily something that will really affect me emotionally, right? Um. The I'll I'll go ahead and and tell mine since you since you brought sure. this up and then I'll ask you yours because my sister asked when we got in the car like what parts did you guys cry at yeah and really I'm like if there are tears in my eyes I'm counting that you know yeah. it's not like a not like a real life tragedy like where I was literally yeah, sobbing right. Right. although I will say that that was true of the one episode of uh, Violet Evergarden we talked about last year oh yeah oh, yeah uh, with the 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 mother and the daughter oh yeah i remember that uh-huh. I was in the that was there <laughs> that was emotionally rough but um so clint losing his family was was pretty hard that was a hard one yeah um, that was he was and he's such a good throughout all the series he's been so family man and never wavered right yeah like he was this guy at the start but then he retired and i appreciate so much i don't think i said this on the show i think that this was the conversation earlier the the decisions they make like who to put in what movies when and for what parts like in this movie they technically had chris pratt and paul rudd both in the movie Mm -hmm. but really chris pratt was mostly in infinity war and paul rudd was mostly in this movie you don't really want both of those guys in the same movie right sure um and same thing like we haven't seen jeremy renner in a while right and so so to bring him back just made it all the more impactful well you you Um, almost have this feeling that like because he wasn't in that one he must have done what we all kind of wanted him to do and live a life because he kind of is one him and paul red are the everyman point of yeah you know focal point you can renner was great in age of ultron because you know he's that's when you find out he's got a family and it's normal and then uh, Wanda is there, and they're hiding out with these robots are attacking. And he's like, "Um, there's robot. We're in a flying city with robots attacking us, and I've got a bow and arrow. Nothing makes sense here." Mm. You know, Renner is the, your point <laughs> of like, "This is crazy. I'm just a normal dude that's highly awesome." But you know, so yeah, so that was that was my first moment. His his sort of reaction to that because mm. from the the opening of that scene, I knew that was coming. I don't know if you had said it or. I yeah. I heard it somewhere. I'm like, oh, Ronan, his whole yeah, family. Because he's Ronan. His, yeah. It, like, something happens to turn him vigilante, and it's yeah. got to be his whole family getting dusted. Yeah. Like, In the book, I know that's coming, that happens, and so yeah. it made it. Uh, so that moment, uh, the moment where Tony tucks his daughter in after he, <sighs> after he realizes that he can help and knows that he should, and he's yeah. going to make a really hard decision, like you see it on his face when she's, yeah. you know... I love you 3000. 3000. Oh, that uh, got me at the funeral like, part. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this this dad stuff. And <laughs> so 
So that um, then when, as we talked about earlier, Peter Parker shows up and he's rattle rattle and Tony just hugs him. Like Tony is this, at least the Tony we know hmm. is this cold, sarcastic kind of un, uh, like a guy you can't connect to. You can't really sympathize with him. He's just a force of nature. Right. Um, has this very human broken, you know, just relief that that Peter Parker is okay. Um okay. that got me. And that that you and know then, that kind of stuff validates all the times that he's interacted with Peter in the other movies with and homecoming when he scolds him for going right, out right. doing stuff. I mean it, it now the, seeing this thing happen here in Endgame, it it makes you realize that is how Tony felt about this kid the whole time. It really was this like he's he's cared thing. about him from the beginning. And so yeah. and then I was mostly okay through the rest of it's like when they're doing the thing and they got the glove i'm like oh okay i see where this is going like we we knew we knew going into this that at least one of these original three was going to be done it was almost certain that robert downey jr was going to be done with this franchise somehow my prediction was that he would fake his death and go into hiding but obviously yep. they set him up to have a family that wasn't really an option once that happened um right. And so I sort of was expecting that. That made it okay. You know, that gave me enough of a buffer emotionally to be okay. Mm -hmm. Up until the the hologram um um will was right. was good. That's when they they bring back the line that I thought they cut part of the journey is the end. Which even yeah. from the trailer I was like, Oh, part of the journey is the end. That's so <laughs> that's right um like i was mostly okay through all of that even the i love you 3000 was good that was close i was like that, that oh. made me just like oh my god this is gonna kill me and i was <laughs> i was mostly okay until the interaction between his daughter and happy uh john favreau oh at the hamburger and you know she's like uh what is she is it hamburger or cheese i think it's cheeseburger cheeseburger so yeah. and that he like he has just this pause and you see it Again, it's just in the acting with no, I mean, he does have a line, but before he delivers the line, there's this moment where you can see him reflecting on his life and his relationship with his friend. Yeah. And this is so sad. <laughs> You're like, oh my God. The, the, the thing with, um, the ending that got me was because I, I felt it was so satisfying. Tony dying you know, like you had said, you, you knew it was going to happen or something like that was going to happen. And it, it, it didn't help much. What about, um, uh, what about putting the arc reactor in the, in the, what, whatever you call that boat, uh, pyre, uh, uh, Viking funeral thing instead I don't of, I think I remember that they have the arc reactor and it's got the, the thing around it says proof that Tony Stark oh. has a heart. That yeah, that was a callback to him giving that to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that was pretty good. I so I felt that like him ending the way he did, that is was a great closure for him because he was a hero. He did so much stuff that kind of he always wanted to do his most of his whole life, and dying. Even though I'm sure he didn't want to die, I but dying that way, doing everything he could have is and and making it work. That's like the best Tony Stark way if he was all honest with himself, it's like, if I'm going to die, that's the way he would probably yeah. want to die. And, and, then, and in terms and of caps is the, and caps is the other, the same exact thing. Caps ending was exactly how, what the kind of ending you want to have 
Captain America Steve Rogers have. Yeah. A fulfilling, full, happy life where he could be at peace and smile the whole time. A full, you know, American dream kind of because that that's been his character from the beginning. He's he's this sacrificing for everyone. Boy Scout yeah. paladin uh kind of character because he's a man out of time. Like even in his time, you know, when he dives on the grenade and stuff, he was a person who was the embodiment of that caricature of the of the greatest generation World War II soldier. Right. right. In a way that most of those guys weren't. They were just normal guys. Um, yep. And, he, the, and he's always made the hard call for the like the little man and always done the thing. So you can always feel that Captain America is has been will defend you even if it's against his own self. So seeing right. him have get the things you want him to have is very satisfying for the, the person watching and for the character. And, and I'll admit, like, Steve Rogers is who I grew up with as Captain America and who <laughs> I always saw as the paladin hero type person. Granted, I'm a white guy, so that's probably easily identifiable. But, <laughs> no but subtlety in our No uh, subtlety there. And, and, I, and I understand that. But for, for me, that he, he was the embodiment of the King Arthur figure and in comic books. Uh, so seeing him go was a, a sad thing Like because I'm not going to see him. And I did not want that to happen. But the way they did this in this movie, I felt like, okay, this is a way I can let that go and be very satisfied. So I give them huge props because they could, they couldn't, they've never done that in the comic books for me, that kind of a feeling for any character. Mm. This has done a, a thing where I feel that someone who is my childhood hero is at peace and rest. And, and I'm okay with that. And now, now that it's in the Falcon's hand, now I'm ready to see like, okay, after a couple of years, we have a new movie. I'll let that. <laughs> now I'm ready to go on a new adventure with the new Captain America. I, and, and one of the, one of the theories uh, you know, I didn't go looking for theories, but I I found this one in an article about Star Trek Discovery, I think. One of the theories was that a character would get stuck in time as the actor's way of getting out of the franchise without the character necessarily dying. Yeah, I, um, I felt and so that was going to happen the whole time. Frequently throughout the movie when they're like, oh, we have one particle to go into history and one to get back. I'm like, well, what if somebody stays? Then yeah. the other two can go back. They can make one more jump, which they didn't do. They went back and... Uh, met Howard Stark, but, but see, that, that's another example. What they just told you, I said they did at the beginning. They always presented you with what you thought was going to be the the normal movie answer, right? The the tropish answer. And Cap doesn't get stuck in the past. He goes like from the moment that they're like he's going to go back and put the stones back. I'm like, oh, he's he's going. He's not coming back. And then and they count down to five. He gets up there the and time. he picks up Mjolnir. And they go and they count to five. And I'm like, yeah, he's not back. I was not expecting all of that. I was like, you know, when they turn and look, I'm like, I bet they see a grave, which they did. Like he saw Peggy's grave, but you know, in this, he's he's alive still. And yeah. I said, I said, I'll bet he went back to 1970 and and found her, uh, yeah. which is which is what he did. He didn't get stuck in the past. He he chose to stay like yeah. he stayed past his window and then waited and and they didn't spend any time kind of fooling you or playing around with your heartstrings they it, they counted to five and within like four seconds after it all the characters knew that like that's what he did he chose it and then they they four seconds later bucky turns around and says sam look over here like they just didn't skip a beat they let you know this is what's happening yeah you know they what's just, happening they just keep moving keep moving and that's and that's this um, 
this franchise. Like, even still, we're, what are we, like a month away from Far From Home? Right. Something like that. Like, it just keeps moving. It keeps moving. There's no time to, like, sit and ruminate and you, you just appreciate. Just like while you're in a movie, while you're in one of their movies, you don't have time to go, yeah, but if they stop Thanos, aren't they still creating a time paradox? It doesn't matter. You don't have time right. because now, uh, We're you doing know, something else. Yeah. They they found Thor and he's fat. Like, yeah. you don't have time to to, uh, to go to on ask with... to ask those questions. Yeah. Um, so, by the, the way, my the only other thought I had on that is uh, I I appreciated very much him passing the mantle to Falcon, although yep. it's a weird thing because Falcon's not invincible like like he was, but sure. I know people said it's it's supposed to be Bucky based on one version of the comics, but I'm like, I just have not seen anything even remotely like charisma from Sebastian Stan. Sebastian I'm sure Stan. he's a great actor. Just like the writing that they've given him just does not endear me to that character. Like I'm tired of hearing about him. And yeah, sure. Uh, well, he, by, I think by contrast, is Falcon that... is very funny and charismatic in yeah. a way that I think could work for some. Well, some different version of a Captain America right. character. I, what, I, what I think is uh, of, I, I was not a Bucky person in the comic books or know why or, or can give it reasons. I can only assume that I know that Bucky was very, so different than what Captain America was is what made him successful. So a long-term readers of Captain America, mm. Paladin Man was like, oh, now we're getting a whole different anti-hero for Captain. And that's what they liked it. That's what they thought. So Sebastian sure. Stan playing the non-charismatic anti-Captain uh, America was on point but i agree with what you're saying that does not for me coming out uh, translate into what who should be cap but falcon does still do that and i think passing of the torch to a guy who's has the spirit of captain america what captain america is is what's important and yeah. cap says it himself when he says you know how's the f- shield feeling he says like somebody else's and then he responds with it isn't <laughs> you know that, that was so good so yeah. good um so yeah it and and i did love that it ended on a dance like the dance that's been repeated many times is like I, he did never got the dance with her and there was the biggest sad point in his life and then he finished the movie with the dance mm. um and i thought it was pretty cool I, it's funny i had somebody there was no stinger there was no end credits here on this one there no, was no there's thing. some there's some sound that's maybe tony making the suit in the cave it is that's what that's what they said it's, it's foreshadowing the, the kid yeah it's, i no. it's just saying that like it's calling back to the rosso said it's just calling back to him hammering the iron man suit because that's because that's the bookends right like this franchise yeah. started with iron man and it ends with iron man yeah not the and, franchise but this this arc <laughs> this whole I, big big story arc and i loved the the big sign off for the original six. Oh, they that got cool? their, they, were they sign it shots and... with the with the autographs? Like that was really cool. They got standing ovations in my theater. Of course, they're all nice. bunch of nerds. We were all geeky. Sure, there. sure. So, which was super cool. It's funny we're giving standing ovations to people who aren't there. Um, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. strange. I the, the, by the way, the hammer thing. Like... The guy at work today was like, "Why was there wharf sounds of like a, a ship bell going off?" And I was like, "No, that's." Not a ship bell, like ringing dong, dong, dong. They thought it was a, like an Aquaman thing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, at the what ending, of, about there. With, with the Iron Man hammering the metal, the sound. Oh, thought oh it was like I see. A ding, we, ding. We didn't. Ship we didn't bell. stay that. Long. You said wharf sounds. Wh- I, wharf. I heard. I heard wharf. Lieutenant yes, Commander Wharf. Star Trek guy. It's, uh, <laughs> it's wharf. A wharf with a V and with an, an H, A R. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway. 
I, again, this this movie, I, I came down and at at the end, and I'm not sure if I said this already, but I it came down with the fact that this was a closing moment for all of the movies. I have said it. My my daughter asked me if this was um, my favorite movie because Infinity War was at this point. She says, "Is this now your favorite movie?" And I said, "Infinity War is my favorite movie because it's a good movie and it does everything. This is just the ending to all of my other movies that I liked." Every part was a closure or a a cat end cap of all the rest of the last ten. Yeah, years. it's it doesn't it doesn't really stand on its own. Yeah, it it like, every other it, movie had an ending thing that said to be continued or this mm-hmm. is going to continue on or what's that or whatever. This just ended those. It ended the why does Selvig have the the, the cosmic cube and why is is um. Nick Fury standing in Tony's apartment and it, it just ended all those questions forever of all those things. Right. So like this movie belongs to the last 10 years. And seriously, yeah. I've never told anybody that I think that the, that there's could never been a better director except for maybe Joss Whedon with the Avengers, but these guys are phenomenal and I will yeah. for this movie, hold them. Hell, I like them for winter <laughs> soldier, hold them in high regards for doing it. You've always said endings are hard. And this one yeah. nailed it, you know, yeah. just flat out nailed it. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really, it's, you know, we, uh, we talked at one thirty. we we're at 90 minutes now, but. Yeah, okay. I was I started recording before stuff. you did. It right. reminds me, reminds <laughs> me a little bit of, um, do you remember the King and I? Yes. Rogers and Hammerstein. There's yep, a yep. scene toward the end where, um, uh, Deborah Kerr is talking to her son and she says, uh, and he he asked her if he was if he was as good a king as he could have been right and she said she said i don't think any any man is ever as good a king as he could have been but this one tried he tried right. very hard he tried very hard and yeah. that's 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 what i thought of when you were talking about andy like it's not perfect there are there are issues sure but it's it's about as close as you can get. Yeah, I, I could in, in the real world. I could not have. I, I look back five years in the past, knowing full well what I've known about the Infinity Gauntlet, and wrapped in my history of pop world, my life. I know what these things are. It's a huge part of what I know. I know it intimately, and wanting to see it on the big screen, and did not get anything close to what the Infinity Gauntlet story is. But they did everything amazingly. And this is, I, I told our buddy Fox, he asked me what I thought. I said, this is the most comic book movie I've ever seen. Like what I see as a comic book. <laughs> You're right? sure. I see comic and, books as serious And the things. long, like the long view. I mean, who knows what the people had in their, you know, Kevin Feige or whoever over the, over the lifetime of this franchise. But like changing directors, changing tones between movies like, Age of Ultron and Guardians of the Galaxy One, mm-hmm. like all of that to maintain for the most part, I'm sure that somebody out there has has picked all the nits and found some issues, but for the most part, like we rewatched Infinity War last week, and I realized that the the conflict between Banner and Hulk, because Hulk is afraid, he's never lost before. Right. And he sort of lost in Ragnarok and then truly lost at the beginning of Infinity War. That all relies on them establishing back in Avengers 1 
that Banner has some amount of control over the Hulk transformation. Right. That's just one example of like 10 years or whatever of this franchise not really having any major retcons. Right. Right. Like just like going they with knew it. and they and they main, maintained continuity even with different directors. Um, and that's that's an achievement in and of itself. It's it's huge and and way to go for them. I'll tell you what we you just mentioned Far From Home earlier, and how that's going to you know, break Nick right back into Far From Home. Mm-hmm. The most one of the most exciting things that now can happen and probably will happen. It'll be a big event is when Marvel and Kevin Feige announces their next slate of films. They have been holding back from that for the last six months or last year. Sorry, the last year. Sure, of not saying anything. They have things full in the works that no one can talk about. But now they're going to be and they. They do this about once every three to five years. They'll say, here's our next five to six year slot of movies and to get everyone excited. And they I'll can't do They haven't been able to do that. And now they I'll, can. I'll tell you what I'm most excited for, not knowing what that list is going to be. As Guardians of the Galaxy. I was going to say, is it As Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Because that was great, right? I mean, Chris Hemsworth is at his best Thor with that context. I mean... Ragnarok yes. was great, but all of his stuff with the Guardians, you know, rabbit, uh, tree, all the, it's all great. It's so and, funny. And then the, the Infinity War, the exchange, just constant back and forth between him and Star-Lord, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So good. And then when, just Chris Hemsworth's look. You talked about Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr.'s looks. Like Chris Hemsworth's looks at Star-Lord, that whole scene when he's like, we all know who's leader, right? He's like, yeah, sh- sure. You know, and, and Hemsworth is smiling really big and then side looking. <laughs> and, and then they, when they said like knife fight, knife fight to death. And Thor looks over like, like eh, that's not, eh, not eh, necessary. So yeah, that, that, that all of a sudden that, that's that small interchange gets you excited for like, Oh my God, so this good. is going to be something that's going to be special. Ugh. And, uh, yeah. All right, man. I'm excited. Uh, we're going to have to save Game of Thrones for next week, I think. I know. That's a, that's a terrible thing to say because it's such an exciting thing, but I agree. It'll, I think it'll be for the best. I know for me, my reaction to that that episode was a little uh, mixed. So Yeah, mine's definitely we'll see, mixed. We'll see what comes after, and maybe it'll change our, our minds on that. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. I think next week when we get a perspective of where they're going to go with this thing, I think without, because we're not talking about it, is I don't know what to think because I don't know where they're going. Yeah, it's very so, strange. Suffice it to say, my week. like, what seemed to me the most obvious prediction was only half right. So, who knows? Yeah. We're we're in full uh, Benioff and Weiss writing and and fully out of yeah. George R. R. Martin. So so we'll just, we'll just see, you're right. I think that seeing that next week will give us some perspective. We can talk about the Winterfell thing next week, along with okay, this is where they're going. So, and there's no there's no Avengers movie between now and next week. So, <laughs> except uh, except I can I can guarantee you I will go back and watch that movie again. I, you're going to go watch it again. Yeah. I, I I I need to. I know Sydney wants to. I'm I'm going to go at some point. Nice, so. nice. All right, man. That was super fun. I would talk forever about it, and yeah, I, I will yeah, forever. Good, so good, good stuff. You've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode eighty-eight. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. If you like movies even more than we do, check mm-hmm. them out. They've got film headlines, previews. They'll probably be talking about uh, Endgame as well. 
Yeah, Fox, check, Fox has been chomping at the bit every minute. I'm sure he's just them going out. crazy on it. Uh, you can check out our other podcast, KlingonsAndDragons.com. We play Star Trek role-playing. It's not safe for work. It's also a couple weeks late, so apologies it's for that. super fun, though. Yeah. Our crossover listeners. Uh, if you have questions or comments, you want to tell us all your thoughts, what scenes you cried at in Endgame, you can email mm-hmm. us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we've got contact forms. We've got the schedule for the 100 movies. As I said earlier, our next week's movie is train spotting if you enjoy the show you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify overcast anywhere podcasts are found thanks as always for joining us and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch good night guys see you next time